The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to Bugle issue 4226, a landmark in the history of human communication, because this is the first time ever that a single audio show will contain all of the following words, albeit not necessarily in this order. Bucket, violently chundering, Prime Minister... Oh, f- I haven't finished writing an opening joke. <laughs> oh dear, this was written when I was falling asleep last night. Right, bad start, back from holiday. Those are all the words that, that were actually... This is actually in the script. This is this is what was supposed to be there, was actually the, all those... The point stands. I'm Andy Zaltzman, freshly back from a lovely holiday, in which I discovered that if you don't think about anything that's happening anywhere... The world seems a much better place. Uh, joining me today from no fewer than two different hemispheres of this once great planet of ours, uh, from the south in Melbourne, Australia, it's Alice Fraser. Uh, Alice, uh, w- welcome to April. Um, uh, <laughs> how are you? Thank you. You said welcome to April like uh, it's your house. Do you uh, own April? Well, um... I mean, it, it it slightly depends when Passover is, and I, 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 have I missed it? Did I miss it? Um, <laughs> I think it passed over you, uh, <laughs> but it didn't steal your firstborn child. Firstborn child, so you're you're all right. You must have put some blood on your doorstep just just for fun. How's, uh, how's the Southern Hemisphere? It's good. Uh, I am having a delightful time in Melbourne uh, with my baby and my comedy show and almost empty rooms, which is always fun. <laughs> it's nice. I like to feel possessive over empty spaces by doing comedy at them. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's, that happens when you hang around with me. Um, you know, that, 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 <laughs> osmosis um, across, across the internet. Um, also joining us... From just up the road here in South London, it's uh, Nish Kumar. Uh, hi, Nish. Uh, you've got a spectacular array of wires on the door in the room that you're recording <laughs> in. Um. Well, first of all, hello, Andy. Hello, Alice. Hello, Chris. Hello, Buglers. Second of all, you've got a f***ing nerves, Zoltzman. Slagging off my wire situation after you forgot to finish writing the first joke. Well, did, did I forget? <laughs> uh, or, you know... Um, yeah, yes, I um, did forget. Basically... Uh, the room that I record in is uh, is my study, uh, or as it's rapidly become known, the room of all farts. Uh, and <laughs> it, it's just a it's a small box that I slowly, over the course of the average working day, I, I come in here, uh, I make a coffee when I'm not recording the bugle, I uh, open my computer with all intention of working, and I slowly engulf the room in methane. I achieve nothing of any no professionally. And then I go uh, drinking. That's right. my life uh, so when I'm at home. Very much a metaphor for how humanity treats the planet as a whole. Essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're satirising the history of humanity. The whole thing is a climate change skit. Why will people never understand that I live satirically? And where is my award for that? <laughs> I I would contend your title for the room of all farts because I'm currently in a one bedroom place with uh, what seems to be like an increasing number of people who we invited to come help with the baby during the festival and who decided <laughs> that it would be fun family time to be on the couch in the one bedroom place that I live in. I'm currently in the bathroom recording this on the washing machine uh, and I, there is no one that produces farts like my almost six month old baby. She's <laughs> developing new chambers 
in in her downstairs. <laughs> well, it's good that the, your one bedroom place has got a washing machine that can record audio. That's um, <laughs> it's a washer um, dryer recorder. <laughs> is your landlord Elon Musk? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's why all the, the audio is... is hot and wet. <laughs> um, absolutely pointless technological innovations. <laughs> I received Here's a, a toaster that can speak two languages. Why, Elon? Elon, the planet is choking to death. Um, uh, I received a tweet this morning from uh, a, a Twitter account called Mathiversaries, um, which informed me uh, that I, Andy Zaltzman, host of, as they describe it, the awesome Bugle podcast, uh, I am 25 million minutes old today. <laughs> Now, I mean, thanks. Happy. Well, first of all, I'm so sorry that we didn't immediately thank, congratulate you on that. Andy, happy 25 millionth minute. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, that feels like a lot of minutes and not necessarily um, something that you want to be informed of. 20, 25 million minutes. I mean, that seems arguably enough. Um <laughs> Certainly, uh, I'm wearing those minutes on my on my scalp, uh, fairly visibly. Um, but uh, they tell you, you know what you need ten thousand hours. That's what the theory is to get outstanding at something. Now I've had forty one point six lots of ten thousand hours as a human as I blast through the twenty five million minute mark. So I'm fucking awesome at it. Um, uh, whereas uh, your baby. Alice is uh, not even halfway to being an awesome baby. That'll take 13 and a half months uh, to, to clock up the 10,000 hours of babying. Um. <laughs> Respect to Zaltzman. He said he's 25 minutes old. He's immediately slammed a baby. Bang. The guy's in. The guy was on holiday, but he is back at his desk. And his first agenda, slam Alice's baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got to aim your comedy upwards, and my baby's very powerful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we are recording on the 19th of April, 2022. Just two days away from the 21st of April, which you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know, is the 96th birthday of Queen Elizabeth II and also the 74th birthday of Iggy Pop. Um, <laughs> now, that is a jubilee I would celebrate. <laughs> exactly. They share a birthday and, of course, Iggy... Uh, named after the 9th century uh, Saxon king, uh, Igthelwald um, of, of Wessex, and also after the 10th century Pope, Pope Populus III. Um, he did, of course, briefly replace Queen Elizabeth on the £5 note, if I remember uh, correctly from some TV I watched in the 90s. Uh, but they share a birthday. Uh, so to mark this, our section in the bin uh, this week is a special quiz for you buglers. Is this Queen Elizabeth II or Iggy Pop? <laughs> So, question one. Uh, who was known as the godfather of punk? 
Was it Queen Elizabeth II or Iggy Pop? <laughs> yeah, any guesses? I'll, I'll let you guys chip in with the. Uh, uh, think it was. I'm afraid that's. I'm going to have to swing at that being uh, Ignatius Popplewell <laughs> to give him his full Christian name. <laughs> that, that I'm is... sorry, all information fell out of my brain when uh, Nish mentioned Elon Musk's bilingual toast. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that, that is correct, Nish. Well done. One point to you. Um, uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, was briefly tagged as the grandma of grunge. Um, after uh, after being heard to whistle a couple of lines from Nirvana's Polly during a particularly dull trooping of the colour in the mid 1990s. <laughs> Question two: Which of the two birthday <laughs> celebrants this week, Queen Elizabeth II or Iggy Pop, collaborated with David Bowie? I know this one. Yep, it's definitely the Queen. Yeah. Well, you're half right. Uh, because actually... they had that song that they sang together. Yeah. In the uh, stadium. Oh, yes. <laughs> Walking in the air. Yeah. Well, they, the, the correct answer is both. Um, you might be That's a phenomenal up. under pressure joke, Alex. <laughs> I, I really, I want you to know that I really enjoyed that on the level at which you intended it. Um, Thank you. Um, uh, actually, I mean, you're mixing up your queens. The Queen and David Bowie did actually record a cover of uh, Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing. By Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell, <laughs> and uh, and the B side uh, was uh, Doris Day and Frankie Lane's Sugarbush, uh, but that was <laughs> sadly never released. Um, Sugarbush also just a great way to get a candida infection. <laughs> it was also my wrestling name. <laughs> and finally, was it Queen Elizabeth II or Iggy Pop who said the words "Gonna break it loose, gonna keep them moving wild, gonna keep a swinging baby"? I'm a real wild child. Uh, was that pop or the second? It's got to be uh, pop because question? the second would have said one is a real wild child. <laughs> I know that was a trick question, but I, I, I saw the clue. Well, I think this is a trick question and it was neither and it was actually Prince Andrew. <laughs> and that guy, if anything, was too wild a child. <laughs> Rain it in. He, that guy needed to be about 7,500% less wild. <laughs> Disgusting. Um. Uh, well, I mean, it was uh, Iggy Pop from uh, from a famous song, but it would have been the Queen had she been allowed to go with her own first draft of her coronation speech in 1953. <laughs> anyway, happy birthday to uh, uh, to both. Uh, 96 years old this week uh, at QE2. Sorry, uh, also, uh, royals don't be wild children. They hunt wild children. <laughs> um, she's now just four foot three inches tall. Uh, uh, after uh, 70 years of crown wearing have gradually mulched her down from her original pre-queenic height of 6 foot 5 but still just as monarchical as ever at the age of 96 effortlessly royal 24-7 365 you've either got it or you haven't uh, rumours about the part Nish no, no doubt you've been invited uh, as a as a, one of Britain's leading celebrities to, uh, to the birthday party oh uh, I'm headlining yeah. <laughs> what, I, I, what's the question here <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be doing a 20 minute set. I'm going to be doing my 20 minute set from the uh, Lord's Taverners 2019 Christmas lunch. Um, there are rumours about what else will be happening at the party other than the, than the, uh, uh, Nish's uh, uh, Tavs uh, reboot. Um, Zorbing Disco, I've heard, is on the cards. Uh, followed by a uh, murder mystery party. Um, <laughs> Now, that tradition, of course, goes back in the family to at least the 1480s, when it must be said some of those parties would 
fraction too realistic. Uh, then, of course, uh, a swan kebab to round off another special night. Um, so, 96, one solid hit away from the century. Banknote Betsy. <laughs> there we go. Um, also, the 21st of April uh, is World Creativity and Innovation Day. Um, and to, to mark this, we set you uh, some creativity and innovation challenges, Buglers, including write a novel using only a slice of toast using four-syllable words. Uh, that, that's Can they challenge. be in two languages? <laughs> can be bilingual, in, uh, using Elon Musk's bilingual toaster. Uh, also, invent a vacuum cleaner that sucks up the dust formed by sloughed human skin and reforms it into actual skin to be used by surgeons to replace the skin uh, scraped <laughs> off people's knees when they slide on their knees to celebrate something, forgetting they're not professional footballers on a well-watered grass pitch. Um, and also concoct a new global system for reclassifying everyone in the world as doing just fine. Uh, anyway, those sections are both in the bin. Top story this week. The world is still f***ed. Uh, we've been away for uh, three Man, weeks. That has been the top story, really, like, for, it feels like the last decade. Man, it's, it, this is unbelievable. This is like when uh, Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams just would not move <laughs> off the number one spot of the singles chart in the United Kingdom in the early 1990s. Yes, and and some see that as, a, as an atrocity of a, <laughs> a, a similar level to some of the things that have, we've been seeing in recent recent weeks um uh we've been away for three weeks uh, uh on the bugle uh, on our uh, easter holiday to to to, to worship wh- whatever gods we worship um and well i mean history's most quitted war has always been probably the most hotly contested title on this planet uh, outdoing even most spoon like spoon uh and least appropriate <laughs> political leader and right now some of the great f- Quitted wars of all time are doffing their bloodstained hats to Vladimir Putin and his violent murder mayhem. Have either of you spotted any ounce of reason for uh, what is going on yet or not? It's been, what, nearly two months of this war and I still can't get even a fraction of my head around why it's all happening. I mean, I think because Vladimir Putin is Vladimir Putin is the answer that you're looking for there, Andy. But in terms of, like, updates and silver linings, uh, Ukraine has launched a stamp uh, showing some Ukrainians giving the finger to the Russian warship Moskva, which the next day was sunk, apparently, by a Ukrainian missile. Uh, You may be familiar with the Russian warship Moskva from that viral clip of the soldiers saying, go f*** yourself, Russian warship, and then getting blown up or not, depending on which facts you like to believe and which then immediately became merch and an NFT because nothing is sacred anymore unless we can immediately strip it of context and turn it into a meme. (laughs) The only possible reason I can work out for what has happened uh, in the last, uh, last couple of months is that the... Uh, there's an idea sometimes with cosmetic surgery where Botox drifts and as far as I can tell (laughs) Vladimir Putin's Botox has drifted into his brain (laughs) and he is now being controlled by a beef disease (laughs) because uh, Botox is itself a distant cousin of botulism which you get from eating bad meat and the bad meat is now in Vladimir Putin's brain and let's be clear Vladimir Putin's brain was already f***ing crazy. <laughs> like, the last thing that, that Vladimir Putin's brain needed was, like, raw beef being slathered all over it. 
But I think the toxic combination of an already despotic warmonger with a meat illness has conspired to create history's most stupid, pointless and destructive war. (laughs) This war is being run by beef mania. My favourite bit of uh, beef mania of the last few days was uh, Vladimir Putin saying that uh, the sanctions imposed by various Western countries against Russia uh, have failed... Uh, and saying that the, uh, the the West expected to have a, a good impact, but actually the strategy of the economic blitz has failed, leading instead to, quote, the deterioration of the economy in the West. Uh, so blaming the deterioration of the economy on, of the West on Russian sanctions rather than, I don't know, the global pandemic and supply chain issues is the biggest completion of causation and correlation since I saw my cousin's kid swear just before the electricity went out and decide that he had the power to f*** off the lights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, f*** you, Putin. We can tank our own economies. We can just do that of our own accord. We don't need your sanctions to tank our economies. We'll do that with pointlessly self-destructive financial products. Um, I mean, the only possible reason I've seen is that, uh, and there's been a lot of speculation about Putin's health, is that, you know, as we've discussed on The Bugle over many years, he is... A massive cunt. And he's clearly a massive cunt who doesn't want to die before working out exactly how much of a massive cunt he can be. He's, you know, he's like an athlete striving for you know the absolute best before they, before they retire. Only his absolute best is the absolute worst of what humanity can achieve. Uh, I just saw a nice piece of a nice little piece of analysis. There's no joke here. It's just that um, they made the point that Vladimir Putin likes breaking taboos. He likes being a naughty boy in that kind of. By naughty, you mean like horrendously vile. Uh, you know, yeah. poisoning his opponents. He likes breaking taboos, which is their argument that he'll probably use a tactical nuke. Lol. lol. <laughs> <laughs> can I just stop, make something a joke by saying lol at the end? Because I, I can, can never tell the difference between something that's funny because it's true and something that's desperately not funny because it's true <laughs> it's such, such a fine line such a yeah, fine it's, line it's, yeah it's summer information Alice a maniac who is in the grip of beef insanity has nuclear <laughs> weapons that, yeah. that's, that, these are the these are the raw materials we're working with <laughs> Lol. At the moment, in terms of topical comedy, all you can do sometimes <laughs> is just say, "lol." <laughs> um, the only, the, I mean, like the only sort of, the only sort of good news story, and also, I guess, it's also in some ways its own very depressing version of Europe doing the absolute bare minimum, is that the folk rap band, the Kalash Orchestra, are the favourites to win next month's Eurovision Song Contest. Now, to contextualise this for uh, any uh, non-European buglers who haven't watched that Will Ferrell movie, the Eurovision Song Contest is an annual song competition where Europe gets together and each individual country sends its worst, most stupid song (laughs) for a joke to an enormous event that happens in a conference centre and then uh, there is a decision made on which of the worst stupid songs sent by each individual country is the least worst and stupid. Uh, but somehow the voting process also is completely contingent on the geopolitical histories of the relative countries because each country gets to award points and so uh, they, get to, they tend to award points based on the geopolitical... So it's somehow 
a sort of uh, a fraught combination of the entire toxic history of Europe's continent and some of the worst music ever performed by human <laughs> beings. But the Ukrainian entry this year, the Kalash Orchestra, who are a rap band who take their name uh, from the foothills of the Carpathian Mountains uh, and whose uh, frontman, Ole Psyuk, I'm, I'm definitely not going to pronounce this correctly, but Ole Psyuk, <laughs> Uh, has a rap interest uh, that started with his childhood love of Eminem, are now the favourites to win. And now, for one moment, we all have a reason to watch the f***ing Eurovision Song Contest. (laughs) Because in terms of the bare minimum, in the UK, we will not simplify the procedure... Uh, for Ukrainian refugees to come to this country. We will continue to make it opaque and complicated, but we will give them points in a stupid contest. (laughs) What more can we do, Nish? What more can we do? Apart from anything else, what more could we do? In other news now, uh, Britain is going to catapult asylum seekers to Africa. Um, uh, Essentially. I mean, I think it might not involve an actual catapult, but it definitely involves a metaphorical catapult. Uh, A scheme has been announced. Scheme? Plot? I'm, I'm not got yeah, policy. Scheme is um, very. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tum- someone's taking a shit on a piece of paper. <laughs> What's the word for that? What's the Latin word for that? Uh, uh, policy, I believe. Um, uh, we will be um, blasting uh, uh, asylum seekers uh, to Rwanda. Uh, of all places, in uh, what the government describes as an attempt to crack down on people traffickers. Uh, Tough on people trafficking, tough on the victims of people trafficking. Um, Now, obviously, uh, the whole issue of of global uh, migration and asylum is is complicated, and dealing with the underlying issues is uh, a bit tricky. I mean, the obvious solution is to end all war, inequality, hunger, suffering, prejudice and persecution, plus fix climate change, oust all despots and make life in general better everywhere. But that's not really a vote winner. Um, so instead, uh, we have decided to uh, to, <laughs> to fly our asylum seekers uh, to, Af- to to Africa um, to a low grade hotel in one of the world's uh, poorest countries. Now, obviously, uh, Britain is one of the world's wealthier nations. It has always been our God given right to use Africa and whatever the other continents are these days in whatever fucking way. <laughs> We need to. as a source of food, source of labour, source of museum trinkets and soft furnishings, a source of things to shoot, ideally with four legs or wings, but history shows we've not always been too fussed about that. And now we're, uh, we need to use it as a not very convenient, procedurally problematic, ethically humiliating, environmentally twattish and uh, economically nonsensical pseudo-solution to a problem that we can't be asked to solve ourselves. Uh, Nish, as um, our pre- uh, resident Pretty Patel correspondent, uh, how have you enjoyed um, our Home Secretary's uh, latest contribution to the slow death of human hope? Chris, get the bleep button ready, my boy. <laughs> get the f***ing bleep button ready, because this is about to go off. This is actually a plan that the Conservative Party has trailed repeatedly. And at a certain point... The sections of the British commentariat and certain journalists and opinion and editorial writers need to give up on the idea of saying this is fundamentally un-British. Because ultimately, what could be more British than a plan that is inherently racist and involves the exploitation of a country in Africa? (laughs) This is, I'm afraid to say, this is as British as the Beatles and flavourless food. It, 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 so One of the most adult... influential British rap artists of the 1980s. 
Straight out of Richmond. And if I know anything about the listenership of this podcast, we will be seeing uh, <laughs> mocked up album covers uh, all through the next week. Um, so any uh, any adult who comes to the UK without authorisation by a train boy or plane could be considered for relocation uh, to Rwanda. Um, uh, and once there, the veracity of their asylum claims uh, will be uh, settled. Um, it's a plan that is so barbaric. Uh, this weekend, the Archbishop of Canterbury, who's one of the most important uh, clerics uh, in the Church of England, uh, has openly criticised it and has and has used this sentence. Subcontracting out our responsibilities, even to a country that seeks to do well like Rwanda, is the opposite of the nature of God, <laughs> who himself took responsibility for our failures. Opposite of the nature of God is, first of all, a review of my 2013 Edinburgh <laughs> show. But it, it, it's, it, it's pretty stark rhetoric to come uh, from yeah. a Christian, also, especially does, on Easter weekend. It does also, yeah, Easter weekend, when he basically stood by and watched his son be executed. I mean, it does yeah. suggest that, that the Archbishop has not read all of the Bible, because um, God himself had some slightly, uh, well, I think, harsh policies... That, I mean, to be honest, if if the Conservative government had the logistical capability to unleash ten consecutive plagues on uh, <laughs> yeah, people yeah. attempting to, to to come to Britain, I think they would do that. The Conservative Party at this point serves no other purpose other than to deliver. It, it is the most effective delivery system in the world for tax cuts and racism. It, it's no longer a political party. That's what it functions to do. It functions to save millionaires and billionaires money and to execute racism. And, uh, you know, a few a few years ago, my friend, the great American comedian Mike Babiglia, asked me, because I'd alluded to there being some differences between British and American racism, what I felt those differences were. And what I would summarise is, I would say this... The differences between British and American racism are the same as the differences between the British and American versions of The Office. American racism is has a cast of hundreds of thousands. It, it seems to be vast and all-encompassing. British racism is much more subtle. It's in the pocket. It's all in the gestures. They might not say all of the words, but they're heavily hinted at. And crucially, when it comes to racism, as with The Office, we invented both of them. So go f*** yourself. Both the Steves, be they Carell or Bannon. But it's... This the, the scheme is uh, currently projected to cost a hundred... The initial cost is projected to be a hundred and twenty million pounds uh, that's a figure that could rise into the billions if it runs and runs and runs now obviously that is particularly spicy uh, given the events of the last couple of weeks in britain where the government has essentially told the population that there isn't money to help them with their rising costs of living in terms of the cost of food and the cost of their energy and what have we learned from british history there is always money for racism whatever is going on if you want someone to help pay your heating bills at this point just start screaming racial epithets out of the window and you'll receive it in the form of a bursary to protect your free speech <laughs> as an australian can i just say i feel that i'm an, i am the expert on the export of expats aka the og of treating refugees badly <laughs> 
We have here, just uh, so you know what was about to come down your pipeline, we have what we call the trampoline rugby ball policy, which is anyone who tries to land in Australia is flung off at great force at a random angle, and we pay millions of dollars to make their lives (laughs) as miserable as possible, lest people think we are a nice place to live, which, by the way, we also constantly (laughs) advertise that we are. Well, if I may repeat my own joke, Australian rules immigration very much like Australian rules football in that it's needlessly violent and aggressive despite there being a colossal amount of space and remains baffling to most outsiders. Um, (laughs) I don't mind you repeating that joke. I I would rather you didn't have to repeat that joke, not for comedic reasons, but for reasons of... You know, basic human morality. Um, well, it's difficult to holistically criticise this policy without saying mean things about Rwanda, a nation full of kind, lovely people that also happens to be one of the poorest places in the world. So I am going to stick with the strategy that garnered me death threats when I made the same point about Australia's policy in Papua New Guinea, which is to read the government travel advisory for tourists to Rwanda. It's a... Uh, says, exercise a high degree of caution in Rwanda overall due to the threat of violence and crime. Medical facilities are very limited. If you're ill or injured, you may need medical evacuation to Kenya. Check that your travel insurance covers this. Malaria occurs across the country. Consider taking anti-malarial medication. Uh, Foodborne, waterborne and other infectious diseases, including meningitis, meningococcal disease, tuberculosis and rabies. Drink only boiled or bottled water. Avoid raw or undercooked food. Uh, Don't go near the borders, especially within 10 kilometres. The the security situation is volatile. There is a risk of rebel attack in the volcano's national park. Only visit the park as part of an organised tour group. Grenade attacks and other violent incidents occur from time to time. Targets include genocide memorials, markets and transport hubs. Be alert to possible threats. The rainy seasons are from February to May. Uh, Flooding and mudslides can make the roads unstable. Petty crime is quite rare. (laughs) It's kind of Croydon Plus, essentially. Um. <laughs> now, that was my rap, man. <laughs> um, if you're wondering, uh, how did members of the Conservative Party react to <laughs> one of the country's top Christians uh, criticising their plan as ungodly? Uh, uh, you would be correct in thinking they went hard on the Archbishop. <laughs> they went hard. Uh, Tom Hunt, a Conservative uh, MP, said that the leaders of the Church of England should be wary about clumsily intervening into complex political issues. To do so on Easter Sunday feels very wrong. Man, these guys were Christians planning to the Archbishop of Canterbury. <laughs> John Redwood said, I thought the Easter message was love conquers all. John Redwood is a Conservative MP and also, at, like for most of my adult life, has been a career c- uh, said that I thought the Easter message was love conquers all. We should forgive and reconcile. Could the Archbishop help do that instead of sharpening political divisions? You're trying to f***ing catapult refugees to a different country for no f***ing reason, you stupid cunt, Redwood. Even at this point, I hope the gates of Hades catapult you out of a f***ing cannon into the sun, you stupid I, for John Redwood, I hope nothing but a lifetime of constipation. I hope he f***ing dies on the toilet like f***ing Elvis Presley. <laughs> Absolute piece of shit. It, um, oh, well, the message of love conquers... That, that's not the message of Easter. The message of Easter is if you torture someone to death, they might come back and get you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
The message of Easter is be very wary of mistreating brown men. <laughs> Energy Minister Greg Hand said the critics of this plan need to show what their solution would be. Now, that is not a justification for doing something. If a government launched a policy of filling all school classrooms with vinegar whilst the children were in them, it should be enough in the first place to say we shouldn't do that. that, that, that's, that, that that's enough in the first place. Uh, I mean, amongst the solutions that you might suggest would be not cutting the international aid budget by four yes. billion pounds a year and not supporting yes. enabling and modelling coddling despots and tyrants that lead that, that contribute to this vast intractable uh, international problem uh, jacob reese mogg um describes it as an easter story of redemption for rwanda um <laughs> um now, he is a self-proclaimed Christian, although the evidence doesn't entirely back that up. But he did tweet uh, on uh, over the Easter weekend, Christ is risen, alleluia. He is risen indeed, alleluia, alleluia. Possibly a Christian message, possibly him breaking the news that his son has woken up and got out of bed for breakfast to his three daughters, alleluia, alleluia, and alleluia. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not far away from justifying the Rwanda policy on the grounds that, well, we took a lot of people out of Africa over the years that everyone complained about. Now we're merely starting the process of putting some back. <laughs> it, is, it is an incredible move. It is an extraordinary move to publicly publicly celebrate a policy that discriminates against refugees as a Christian. <laughs> An entire religious belief system that begins with the story of people refusing to house a refugee. Like, <laughs> it, you you are on the side of the Romans and the innkeepers, you twerp. <laughs> I, am, I am a f***ing Hindu, and even I f***ing know that Chris, the basic tenets of Christianity are, where possible, try to be nice to refugees. <laughs> yeah. It's f***ing Christ. You, you, you're on the side of the crucifix, you c***. Yes, if uh, if um, <laughs> if uh, Jesus Christ were uh, sorry, Jesus F Christ uh, were to make his long <laughs> his long overdue Elvis style comeback and meet Jacob Rees Mogg, I think we can safely predict it would be a fairly short meeting that would almost certainly involve the words "read my f***ing book, mate" from one of the participants yeah, yeah, yeah. and from the <laughs> other. Can I call you Boris? No. How about Margaret? Please let me call you Margaret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I may quote from the great man himself, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than the rich man to pass through the gates of heaven. Also, Jacob Rees-Mogg is a fucking. <laughs> right, moving on. Um, Alice has to go shortly to um, uh, do her show at the Melbourne Festival, which continues until what date, Alice? Until uh, this Sunday, this coming Sunday. So do go along, That's all buglers. When, and then I'll be in Sydney, and then I'll be in Perth, and then I'll be in London, and then I'll be in London, and then I'll be in Edinburgh. I consider all those gigs plugged in a vague, <laughs> non-date-specific way. Um, God, what a podcast. What a phenomenal... <laughs> what, this podcast has nothing but deep respect for traditions, and unfortunately one of the traditions is refusing to specifically plug any of the work of anyone involved. In I got a really passive-aggressive email from somebody saying, if you want people to come to your shows, maybe you should put your links up on your website. <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk news now, and uh, Elon Musk, the obviously fictitious uh, techtrepreneur, <laughs> is uh, set to buy Twitter, the uh, social media messaging and vitriol exchange. Um, uh, he uh, apparently uh, could be uh, set to turn Twitter into an intergalactic sonnet farm, but no one quite knows what <laughs> he intends for it. Uh, Alice, you've, 
tracks the life and times of Elon Musk from uh, from birth onwards. Um, just bring us up to date with his latest contribution to uh, uh, human um, <laughs> human. I, I don't know what the words. I think he almost defies language now. Um, yes. Yeah. Since he first sprung fully formed from the hot pit of seething fury that is the entrepreneurial class, Twitter, <laughs> uh, the forum for the chattering classes and the chittering masses, is now the subject of a feeding frenzy after Elon Musk first bought up 9% of its shares and then made an offer to buy the whole company, inspiring a whole bunch of public discussion and debate, and also uh, subsequently a whole bunch of other companies and organisations suddenly being struck with the idea that they too would like to buy some of that publicity by offering also to buy Twitter also. <laughs> You cannot say Elon Musk isn't a thought leader, mainly because if you do say Elon Musk isn't a thought leader, you'll get a bunch of Musk lovers swarming you, jaws agape, ropes of hot saliva garlanding their steaming jaws in their haste (laughs) to explain that actually he is a thought leader and he's the only billionaire who's actually doing good groundbreaking stuff and striding forward with his mighty thews into the visionary future, Ayn Randley grasping the spear of human potential and driving it towards the stars like a penis, while also manic pixie cyberpunk dream objecting to paying taxes despite receiving government funding to the tune of billions. Uh, In response, Twitter has adopted a poison pill uh, policy (laughs) to to limit Elon Musk's ability. That's the thing where you put a little bit of cyanide in your tooth and bite down in the middle of a board meeting. They're trying to limit Elon Musk's ability to raise his stake in the social media platform uh, as various other buyout firms are also lunging at the possibility of buying Twitter. Um, poison pill is basically where if he buys a certain amount, then all of the shares dilute themselves and you get homeopathic Twitter, the worst of all Twitters. <laughs> um, I mean, there are rumours that he's seeking to buy other things as well, including uh, alternate mile-long stretches of every single railway line in the world. Uh, the month of September, <laughs> platonic love, all carrots, the vowels A, I, and U, and Prince William. Uh, uh, Nish, where do you see uh, Musk's uh, career Standing right uh, well, now. I don't know if you. I, I, clearly, you and I are using very different news sources today uh, because I, I'm hearing a hot rumor that Musk is planning to buy the Bugle <laughs> because he 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 genuinely thinks puns and bullshit may be a renewable energy source. <laughs> at last, we'll have free speech on yep. the Bugle. At last, yeah, yeah, yeah. Free at speech. Last. for too long. That <laughs> Chris has been censoring my fucking swearing. But I'll tell you what: the second Musk takes over, you're going to hear the full fury of my swearing. <laughs> These like free speech evangelists who fail to ever seem to mention or notice that the moment you have an algorithm in play, you do not have free f***ing speech. Um, They're just like, make the algorithm better and then we can all be racist. Like, I just, (laughs) I find it, I have to go. I'm going to go. I'll see you. Uh, Alice is to perform her her show. Do go and see it at every available opportunity around the world. Thanks, Alice. Uh, Nish, um, we should move on to, uh, before we wrap up uh, this this week's Easter special bugle. Um, It's just been a... In fact, I think also, Chris, uh, I saw the the tweet you put up with that snippet from a previous Easter bugle. Uh, Maybe you can play that that, that clip as as an outro before this week's lies about uh, premium level voluntary subscribers. uh, it's been quite an ungodly episode, so let's let's finish yeah. by looking at uh, yeah. a further um, continual source of ungodliness, Boris Johnson. Since we last uh, broadcast to you on this uh, this podcast, uh, Boris Johnson has been fined uh, by police uh, after uh, contravening 
the, his own COVID laws. Uh, there's been um, this. This happened uh, well, while I was on holiday. That the the fines came out, and you know further uh, suggestions that he should resign, and for you know him and his acolyte saying, "Oh, there's no need in Ukraine and, uh, and all that." Is there any? Is there any moral line that you think he could reach where he will say, "Yeah, maybe I'm not right for this job." No, uh, Andy, I think at this point, and, uh, you know, I think this pretty much gets the line across. He could f*** a dog. (laughs) I truly believe at this point, Boris Johnson could f*** a dog, not just in the abstract, on camera, in the House of Commons. He could absolutely go to town on any dog and most cats. (laughs) And uh, the Conservative Party would say, at the time he was f***ing the dog... He believed the rules around dog f***ing permitted him to f*** the dog. <laughs> I, I personally believe that Boris Johnson was fully aware that he was breaking lockdown regulations, but he's lived a life completely free of consequence and he doesn't truly believe that any rules, even rules he sets himself, apply to him. However, if we accept the Conservative Party's interpretation that he didn't understand what was happening was a violation of the lockdown rules, maybe it's not a very f***ing good idea to have a f***ing cunt in charge of the f***ing country who doesn't f***ing know when a party is a party and that party is a f***ing violation of basic lockdown rules. Maybe it's not a good idea to have him in charge of the country during a f***ing war. <laughs> it's a fair point you make, Nish, uh, and a, a point you made, uh, I, I think, justifiably swearily. Um, <laughs> so, Chris, how's that bleep button? Uh, out. War- worn. It's absolutely f- <laughs> <laughs> I want the record. I want the f***ing record. The swearing is bugle. I'm this f***ing Kuma. The, the Croydon uh, well, that does bring us to the end of, the, of this week's uh, this, this week's bugle. Um, uh, Nish, you're still on tour, aren't you? I'm still on tour of the United Kingdom. Um, I'm also, um, uh, he says, just quickly opening his calendar <laughs> to check what dates are coming up. I also, uh, excitingly, uh, for Irish buglers, uh, have a date uh, in Dublin um, uh, on the twelfth uh, on Thursday, the twelfth of May, and also. The big news for American buglers is that I'm doing... And when I say American... Every time I say American, people get very angry because I'm only going to two cities. <laughs> I apologise. Uh, this is is not what I... As you can tell, I'm stalling for time as I open my own website to get the dates on. <laughs> uh, I apologise to the great nation of America and to anyone who lives in it that does not live in New York or Los Angeles. The loading is taking a little bit longer than usual, but don't let that put you off visiting the website. I apologise to the people that live in that great country. Sadly, uh, I will only be visiting uh, the cities of New York and LA, and uh, I will be doing shows uh, in New York and LA. The tickets are available at my website, nishkumar.co.uk. Thursday the 19th of May, Friday the 20th of May, Saturday the 21st of May, and then Monday the 23rd of May at the Soho Playhouse in New York. And then Wednesday the 25th of May at the Dynasty Typewriter in Los Angeles. Uh, Those are the dates that are available. They're on my website. Please buy tickets. Uh, It will be a lot of fun, I think. It was a lot of fun last time, and I'm very excited. Uh, consider those gigs plugged. Don't forget, you can also come to see uh, Satirist for Hire at the Soho Theatre on the 9th, 10th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, 20th and 21st of May. Basically, Monday, Tuesday, Friday and Saturday uh, for two weeks from the 9th of May. Do send in 
your satirical request to satirise this at satiristforhire.com. Tickets via the Soho Theatre website or andysaltzman.co.uk. Fully updated a little while ago. Well, uh, we will play you out some lies about our premium level voluntary subscribers. Before the lies, however, let's have that classic bit of Easter Bugle from Bugle issue 127, uh, which remains uh, arguably the high point in Western civilization. Goodbye until next week. Oh, also, the news quiz is back this week. You can listen to that as well. <laughs> God, it's been awfully sweary at Bugle recently. Yeah. I don't know why that is. Chris, any, any suggestions? Well, um, maybe you just need to listen to the words of the Pope. All right. Mm. What did he say? Don't f***ing swear. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's that's now 12 f***s one c*** today. <laughs> oh, God. Actually, yeah. now I've just said that, <laughs> yeah. that's 13 it's too. <laughs> I was going to say 12 f***s one c***s. That's pretty much the uh, Jewish attitude to the New Testament, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Andy. I'm going to burn is, in hell for that. I'm going to burn was, in hell for that joke. That's a way to make the absolutely foul truly sublime. <laughs> <laughs> Carrying on the theme of Bugle Volonto subscribers who are thinking of writing books, Thomas Stark has taken to penning biographies of obscure but fictional sports stars. His latest work is Jeff Philicent, Golfing Stegosaurus, which adds to previous titles including Javelins of Destiny, The Albertina Spalliella Teller Story, Cupid's Q, A Snooker Love Story, and most controversially, The Beast of Biggleswade, How Geraldine Sniddles Destroyed a Crown Green Bowls Club in Just 26 Years. If David Heinersdorf was to write a book, he would like it to be a mixture of a guide to how to play avant-garde jazz using standard kitchen implements and a history of tennis. It's important to find a gap in the market, explains David, and as far as I know, there haven't been many or indeed any books combining these two subjects. I haven't really thought much beyond that, uh, he admits, but it would probably involve a chapter telling you how to bang wooden spoons on a couple of saucepans to evoke a musical interpretation of the 1984 Wimbledon final between Martina Navratilova and Chris Evert. Dan Mahari, for his part, does not understand why anyone needs any book other than a dictionary. It's got all the words in it, explains Dan. You shouldn't just sit back and rely on other people to put those words in an entertaining and or informative order for you. Show some initiative. There are quite literally quadrillions of potential stories, both true and or false, lurking within any dictionary. You've just got to make the time to choose a hundred thousand or so of them at random and hope they string together as a coherent and engaging narrative. Kenny Pollock does not like the fact that books have covers. Showing people the name of the author and the title of the book already prejudices the mind of the reader before they've even opened it, complains Kenny. And that's before you've even factored in the cover design that makes it seem more exciting than it actually is, and the semi-informative blurb that makes you think, well, is it really worth ploughing through another 450 pages to pad out those perfectly decent 200 words? Personally, concludes Kenny, I would bring back scrolls. And finally, Elizabeth Dibble once spent a fortnight in her local library gluing in happy endings to books that she felt needed perking up at the end. Nothing is worse than wading through an 800-page masterpiece, says Elizabeth, only to be left with the overwhelming sensation that life is a veil of tears. 
I reckon I put a version of And They Live Happily Ever After into over 2,000 books in my library, fiction and non-fiction, and until the traditionalists took all those pages out again, I think my town was happier than it's ever been before or since. I stand by everything I did, concludes Elizabeth. Here endeth this week's lies. A goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss Lime Bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.